This morning we have a special guest speaker, Mr. Sean McGarvey, is going to be bringing this morning. And uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, I guess, what, eight weeks ago, six, eight weeks ago, we talked about you teaching this lesson. And I honestly, a lot of times I try to plan for a certain text for a certain day that's a special day, that kind of deal. And I honestly had no clue that today was Father's Day when the text is sons and heirs. That was just kind of a, a Jesus thing, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then Sean's going to talk about some cool stuff, too, that's how all this aligned, what makes this extra ridiculously remarkable, uh, how all of this lined up for today. So if we could welcome him this morning, that'd be great. Thank you, guys. <laughs> well, good morning. I am Sean McGarvey, and more importantly, God is God. Let's take this time to him. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for being our Father. And Lord, you've given us your word And you've given us a passage this morning that is very special to me, that's very special to all of us, Lord, but it's special to you and special to your heart. And I pray that your heart would flow through me, Lord, that the words would not be mine but yours. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for 20 years now, half of my life. Started out in Indiana and then uh, Boston, Massachusetts uh, for seven years. And uh, now I'm a nurse down at uh, Memorial Hospital downtown. I do dialysis. And so when I'm not working or on call, um, I like to work with hand tools, power tools. Amen. Um, Work on cars. Amen. Mostly out of necessity. Um, And... And sing the choir, and then when I'm not doing that stuff, I'm sitting down watching TV, usually uh, mixed martial arts and Duck Dynasty, because it makes me happy, happy, happy. (laughs) My wife, Tricia, is here today. Thank you. Uh, She is a special education teacher with certification in physical disabilities. Uh, She grew up in Boston and in Fort Myers, Florida, and she's had classrooms in Elkhart, Indiana, Goshen, Indiana, Cohasset, Massachusetts, and here downtown at Tommy Brown Academy. And uh, we did live on the South Shore of Boston for seven years, a little town called Weymouth, and had all three of our kids there. So Matthew, the oldest, he was born July 10th, 2000. He's turning 13. He loves it with 13. Okay, where did the time go? He loves electronics, anything that makes sounds, uh, lights up, moves with electric motors. Uh, He he makes digital music, and he's got his own website where he posts that stuff. Um, He is our techno dude. Um, He'll also watch MMA from time to time, though he's not as interested in it. But he and I developed together, my uh, MMA buddies, my UFC buddies will recognize the the Hoi Thai clinch. Uh, It's a variation of the Muay Thai clinch. Only in the hoi thigh clinch, you yell hoi and grab the thigh. Just, that's what you do. So, uh, then there's Mike. He's like a little mini me with hair. Uh, he just turned 11, and we got him some drums for his birthday. Electric, electronic drums. So it's this drum kit that all you hear is like tapping on a watermelon. So there's really not any noise. It just comes out in the headphones, or you can put it to an amplifier. Trish was looking at, hey, why don't we get him like real drums? And I'm like because we don't have a big house <laughs> big enough to soundproof a room. So he can, he can mess around with those anytime he wants. He can put those online, make his songs just like Matthew, and he's got his own place that he posts the songs and music that he creates. And he's very much into Minecraft and creating little worlds online. And he and, got, he and I got into that together. We created a world that was parkour world. 
So we had this little roller coaster that was going bing, 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 jumping around. So yeah, I like this stuff my kids like too. And then there's Megan. She is door number three. Uh, she's kind of the, uh, the interesting little woman. Um, she loves to dance and she's taking ballet, jazz, and tap with Ms. Patricia Ryan. Thank you very much. And uh, at the Hamilton Academy of Dance. With spots open for fall. Anyway. Um, <laughs> And she is a soloist in the ballet company, yeah. So we're very proud of her. Occupationally, she wants to be a veterinarian ballerina. It's her plan for life. And we also do foster care. So there's a fourth child in our home right now, since Steve moved out. Uh, there's <laughs> uh, I had to put it in there. It was a low-hanging fruit. Um, Remy Foster, she was born December 29th, 2012, eight weeks premature. And she's a miracle. Um, she had a kidney removed for cancer. Um, and she's got a little mangioma on her forehead and a hole in her heart that may or may not close on its own. So we'll just have to see. Um, she, she's busy, too. I mean, so the, our three are busy. She's busy. She's one of our, well, she's one of our four, you know. Um, but her talents include smiling, being just absolutely adorable. Uh, her hobbies right now are eating pooping and staying awake all day. <laughs> Which brings us back to Trisha, who is currently a full-time mom, and she deeply enjoys and desperately needs more getting out of the house and engaging in adult conversation. <laughs> Preferably without children, it's optional. So if anybody, I'll extend the invitation, if anybody can help us with that, getting my wife out of the house, enjoying adult conversation. She sees things on Facebook where people get together and they do these fun things, and she's like, oh, if they had asked me, I would go. So she's a gamer. She's in, you know? And she's got multiple talents. She's fun. She, you know, she's a wit. She's the life of the party. Uh, get her going. You might even hear some of her Boston accent, which is kind of fun. Uh, big thanks to Jim today for entrusting God to entrust me with this message, and Jim for the other thing we talked about. Right, thank you. It's an honor, it's a privilege, it's a big responsibility, and today is a lesson about sons and heirs, but to get to that, we need to review what we did last week from Galatians 3:19 through 25, the purpose of the law. So this, it brings out the richness of being a son and an heir. The purpose of the law is to bring me face to face with the reality of my sin and lead me to Jesus, or as Luther writes in one of the books that I got from Jim, the law is the hammer that breaks proud and obstinate hypocrites. That's heavy. That's awesome. That, that's not talking about the sinner who's out there just blatantly. He's killing people. He's robbing banks. He's doing all this stuff. It's the person who's, I'm pretty good. You know, I don't need that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, and that's the hint. The law is the hammer that says, no, no, no. You're not good enough. On your own, without Christ, you have no hope. But that's the joy of the message, too, because then we look down to verse 24, where we see, therefore, the law was our tutor, our pedagogue. Remember how uh, Albert was up here, and Jim was the pedagogue. Albert was the student, and Jim would take him, make sure that he got over here to the master, Monica, the teacher. So making sure, so the law is there to escort us to Jesus, escort us, bring us to the master, so that we're learning, so that we're ready to mature in him, and to grow up and really be ready to use the freedoms that he gives us through the gospel. So Luther then contrasts the hammer with the gospel. 
The gospel, on the other hand, he writes, is a light that brings life and comforts and raises up consciousness. We are broken by the law for a purpose and for a limited time so that we might be justified by faith in Christ. So the takeaway from today, if you're looking at your papers there, is through Jesus Christ and more specifically through faith in Jesus Christ, we can become sons and heirs of God, the ultimate father. God is awesome. He is the ultimate father. This is a great message for Father's Day, and like Jim said, it wasn't planned. But God is a very personal God. He's our father. He's involved in our lives, and he likes to make these special little things happen for us, these little treats that he brings about. Back in 95, I went to Zimbabwe. I had an opportunity to go on a missions trip. I had never been on a plane. Boy, was I on planes for that trip. And uh, I wasn't ready to lead that. It was God leading that. And so there was a team of six of us. And two adults, I was an adult at the time, which is kind of weird to look back on now. But yeah, anyway, so I'm an adult, I'm a leader, I'm a nurse, I'm the only nurse on the team, and I'm the only one that gets sick. So, acute gastroenteritis is what I had. They took me to the Matopo Hospital, the Macha Hospital at Matopo Mission, where they didn't even have a piece of paper to write down my diagnosis on. And when you've got acute gastroenteritis, you're looking for another kind of paper Quite a bit. And uh, so there was a, uh, an American physician there, Dr. Jake Swinton, and he said, okay, Sean, I got good news for you and I got bad news. I said, okay, what's the, what's the good news? Well, the good news is you've got acute gastroenteritis and it's easily treatable with a three-day course of Cipro. And I said, and the bad news? He says, well, we don't even have paper to write down your diagnosis on. We don't have a three-day course of Cipro. And I said, you know, that's interesting because God packed us a three-day course of Cipro. When the kids on the team were getting ready to go, and all of us were getting ready to go, when you travel out of the country and you go to a place like Zimbabwe, there are diseases that we don't have much of here, and our bodies are not used to them, and so we get inoculations for yellow fever, and we get inoculations for different things, and we go on medication for malaria. And one of the teammates, Conrad Hess, from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, he went to his physician to get his malaria medication, and the doctor said, I want you to bring this three-day course of Cipro with you on the trip. Somebody may need it. That's a God thing. That's God looking out, being actively involved in the lives of his children, specifically, specially for each one. So let's run through there. Uh, there's, there's no shortage of where God is acting through this passage. Let's dig through that and then dig a little bit deeper. Uh, let's look at the text here, verse 26. For you all are sons of God. So he's calling us, his children, through faith in Jesus Christ, who he sent to die in our place. Uh, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So this baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who he sends to us. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? This is the Abrahamic covenant which God established. God initiates. God creates. God ordains. God sets apart. God acts in our lives. So according to the promise that God initiated. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave. For though he is master of all, 
He's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. So, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time, as determined by God the Father. Okay, he's speaking into our history, into our lives again. Had come, God sent forth his son. That's obvious. Uh, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. So he rescues us. He provides the way of escape that we might receive the adoption as sons. And this is where God just gets all even the more awesome. He didn't have to do that for us, but he adopts us into his family and gives us full rights as heirs. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of of his son into your hearts, sending the spirit again, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So there again, he's lavishing his love on us. Didn't have to do it. And uh, as beautiful as that passage is, and getting ready for this week's text, um, Albert Whiting brought me a verse, and I just thank you so much. Um, Zephaniah 317 was the last time you've been in Zephaniah. It's kind of like it's there, we just never go there. It's beautiful, but, you know, we just never go. We never find the time. So Zephaniah 317, he uh, writes, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's doing a lot for me. That's speaking to my heart right there. It's Father's Day and My first day without Father's Day without my dad, and I put a put his memoriam on the table for each of you to look at. Um, so he passed away on May twenty fourth. So Father's Day for for many it's a great day. It's it's a good time uh, for for several here. Um, you know, there's there's not good memories of your father. I have great memories of my dad. And so it's, it's a great day, it's, it's a painful day, but it's a rich and full day, and this is God providing this message for me on this Sunday. And so it's been part of my healing process. Uh, so there is a terrible font on the back of that handout. It's just where you can barely read the thing. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff in there that... that I want to share with you about what made my dad an awesome dad, an awesome man, an awesome father. Uh, when he was growing up, my dad was an athlete. Uh, he played basketball, baseball, soccer, and he ran track. I have his track shoes. You cannot get these anywhere. Again, we thank the Lord you cannot get these anywhere. There's absolutely no support. There's these spikes, and you run around this kangaroo skin here. It's just very thin, light as they could make it in the day. But that's like roofing tile. I mean, feel that thing. That's... That's got some heft to it. You pick up your shoes these days, they weigh less than that. But those were his track shoes growing up. And, uh, but he was a musician. So, you know, the father rejoicing of the father singing over us. There was always music in our house. Uh, Dad played the piano, the organ, the baritone, tr- trombone, string bass, bass guitar, uh, guitar, and he was a great singer. Uh, together, he and Mom 
uh, were in a music group, the New Tone Singers, and they started when they were in college. Uh, there were two other families with us. We had this big green bus. So I got to ride all over the place in this gre big green bus. And it was a great life growing up on the road. It was cool. They were on uh, stage with several uh, Southern Gospel acts, big name stuff out there. And uh, even when Dad was in the hospital, when, uh, before we knew it was lymphoma, Mom got the Blackwood brothers to come see him and sing with him in the hospital. And that's one of his favorite memories. I got the call that night, and he said, I can now say that I've sung bass with the Blackwood Brothers. And I said, oh, really? How'd that happen? <laughs> he said, your mother. <laughs> uh, she brought them in there. They, she went to a concert. He wasn't able to go. And she said, oh, it's too bad that he didn't get to hear you tonight. And they said, where is he? Well, he's down the road in this hospital. I drove a van. <laughs> they said, we'll come with you. And they came to the hospital, and they sang with him. And it was just a really neat time. The nurses started closing the doors, and he's like, how many people here have had a personal concert from the Blackwood Brothers? And the nurse said, I don't imagine anybody. He said, then you leave that door open. You share that with these people. But beyond the music, Dad was just so much more. He was a teacher. He was a pastor. He was my soccer coach going through high school. And then after I graduated from nursing school, he and I came back together and coached the junior high team at that school, and we took state. It was awesome. It was a great time because of the time that we had together. Just so many talents, but he was not only a teacher, he was a lifetime learner um, as a pastor in Leedy, Oklahoma. Uh, he found out that the community was going to lose their EM EMS service, and he said, we can't let that happen. And he looks at Mom, he says, you're a retired nurse, you know some stuff, and I like to learn stuff. And so they went, and they trained, and they became EMTs and uh, saved the... Uh, ambulance service for their town, and he also, he just fell in love with it. He just, it was, had a passion for it, you know, helping people. And he would tell, he'd call me up and say, we saved a two-year-old today. Was at the bottom of the pool. And we got in there, and we got that baby out, and we worked on that baby so hard. Well, he brought that baby to the hospital. And she was okay. And he said, and the group of us now, Dad, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big man. I didn't get that. <laughs> Got more jump mom's jeans, you know. Got her thighs. That's all I can do. Um, but he said, there we were. And then there was all these big men from the fire department and, and lead EMS and all that. And they just, he said, we sat down in the back of that rig and we just bawled like babies. But he was also, this no typo on the back of that font that you can barely read, uh, Dad did receive this year his Master of Sacred Theology. In fact, commencement was held the day after his funeral. And Mom just got his diploma in the mail. So all the way through, Dad was a learner, a teacher, and just awesome. So he was always teaching me, and there were so many things that he taught me. He taught me how to drive, and he made me drive back all the way from Atlanta to New Paris, Indiana, and it was tedious. And I think part of his design was maybe he won't take this driving thing so lightly after he has to do that. But he said he's always, you know, whether it be working on cars or how to be a man or serving others, he said, someday you're going to need to know this. And I suspect that his dad before him said, someday you're going to need to know this. And that's the heritage that we have in Christ because he provides a tutor for us that says, someday you're going to need to know this. And that's what he's there for. That's what he's provided the law for. So the law is not just this cruel and evil beast. It shows us our absolute dependence on Jesus Christ. 
I didn't have the words to adequately express what it was that I had with my dad, what I felt for my dad, all, all the thanks for the lessons that he had taught me. And then, uh, through my mentor, he recommended this book, Not a Fan, which We, we see the water and not the person. And so in our lives, when we were baptized in Christ, we're to see Christ and not us. It's to be about him and not us. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. This is talking about clothing in Christ. Is Amy here this morning? Amy shared just an awesome, awesome quote. And it's just, it's right in there. The more we grow, the more we fit into what Christ has given us. We are clothed in Christ. This is talking about literally putting on Christ like a set of clothes. Um, today, Father's Day, we have our jerseys on, right? So we identify with our fathers. This is Roberto Clemente, the who of whom there is no humor. Dad's favorite player in baseball played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay, so I identify myself with my father today in what I'm wearing. When we live and go and move and breathe in the world today, we're identifying ourselves with our father by the things that we say, by clothing ourselves in him by the way that we live. Guzik has an awesome quote here. The stress here is on our identity in Jesus through faith. We aren't simply associated with Jesus. We are identified in him. If he is the son of God, so are we. If he stands righteous before God the Father, so do we. If he has free access to the throne of God, so do we. If he has victory over spiritual powers of darkness, so do we. We aren't associated with Jesus. We are in Jesus. So baptism and being clothed is identity in Jesus. Talks about verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free. And the quote here is that at the time the rabbis were quoting a morning prayer that was popular among Jews of the day, and everybody knew it. It's the big elephant in the room. So here's Paul talking to Gentile, who, okay, Galatians, Gentile. And so he's saying, okay, these rabbis, they got it wrong, okay? They talk in the prayer about that he was not born a Gentile, slave, or a woman. So he says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. Completely wipes that prayer out. Because it was hurting the Jews, too. It was hurting the Gentiles, but it was hurting the Jews, too. They didn't realize the law is not what we worship. The law is there to bring us to the one, to bring us to Christ. It doesn't mean there aren't differences. There were roles. The slaves still had to obey the master. There were roles for women versus men in the church and in life. And there were roles for, in different ways that you would talk to a Jew or a Gentile. So there, there were differences, but they don't hinder us to come to worship the Father. Because under him, we're all equal. And again, the word is all. The distinction here is if you are Christ. In verse 29, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's a blank there. We're going to leave it blank for a minute. Let me explain that. 
I was thinking, you know, sons and heirs. Well, where's the case scenario where there's sons or heirs? And then I had my little mirror moment. Remember Jim with the mirror moment last week, right? He's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like looking in a mirror. And then he looked further in the passage. He's like, there's the mirror. He uses it too. It's like, oh. So, okay, so I got to that point because I'm reading through this passage. I'm very focused in on Galatians, this verse through this verse. And then later on, it comes out to Isaac and Ishmael. And I'm like, that's my own little mirror moment. I'm like, oh. So, it's geeky, but go with it. Um, <laughs> the deal is, here's Ishmael, and he's born. Abraham's trying to make things happen, right? Sarah's like, well, why don't you take Hagar and do your thing, and you know, we'll have a son. And no, that's not the child of the promise. So Ishmael was not made an heir of the promise. It's not about what we do. It's not about the law and keeping the law. It's about what God does. And God promised that Sarah, you are going to have a child. Abraham, you are going to have a child through Sarah. And she laughed, and that's what Isaac means, laughter. And they have, and he is the child of the promise. So that when we are in Christ, we are children of the promise. We are spiritual heirs there of Abraham, not physical heirs. Can you be a physical heir and not a spiritual heir? Absolutely. Can you be a physical heir and not an heir? I mean, a physical son and not an heir? Yeah. So you don't want one. You want both. And is better. That's your blank. And is better. And it brings me to the, the Ford Escape, the EcoBoost, right? You got this couple, and they're talking about, oh, you know, these are great options. You know, you kick your leg, and the thing goes up, you know, and you got the seats, and they fold in. They got all these wonderful options. And you get great fuel economy. Well, I'd hate to think of, you know, if we get this car and then we don't have great fuel economy. It's like going to a bed or breakfast. Right? And it flashes. Did you, have you seen the commercial? Anybody? Yeah. So it flashes. They're coming down the stairs. They're well rested and everything. And like all, this, all these people crashed out on the tables in their breakfast bowls. And they look at each other and going, boy, am I glad we chose bed. You know? <laughs> so you don't have to choose one. We are sons and heirs. And is better. Okay? It's identity. And there's just, uh, there's way too much stuff to share. We got like seven minutes here. This is crazy. But the idea is we have identity. We have our place in eternity because we're sons and daughters of God. We have our place in society because we're all brothers and sisters here. There's no grandchildren of God. We're all the same generation in Christ and joint heirs with Christ. And we find our place in history, and this was the coolest thing, because we're part of God's plan for the ages, related spiritually to Abraham in our faith in Jesus. We are related to all these other believers before us, after us. In my family, I have an identity through my name. Uh, it's a tradition that the firstborn son takes on the father's first name as his middle name. So my grandfather was William Dean. My dad was David William. I'm Sean David. And our son, our firstborn, is Matthew Sean. And it ties us together. There's an identity there. And it's rich and it's cool, but what's even cooler is being identified in Christ. Chapter 4, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, or not legally recognized as an adult, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. But he's under guardians and stewards. The blanks here, the heir is subject until the time appointed by the father. Okay, The heir might not even have as much freedom as the highest servant in the house. Highest servant in the house might be out bopping around doing his thing. And the heir is back scrubbing the toilet and learning the soup to nuts details of this estate. And uh, 
kind of brings us a picture. There's too many pictures. Can't explain. Let me sum up. Um, <laughs> where the father is training the son so that he is ready. There's maturity. So that he doesn't squander the estate like the prodigal son. Okay? Prodigal son is actually not appropriately named. It's actually about the prodigal father. Because prodigal means lavish. Uh, characterized by profuse or wasteful expenditure. Take a look at the story of the prodigal son. He gets his inheritance early. He's not ready for it. It's kind of like, everybody seen the movie A Few Good Men? You can't handle the truth. Okay? You let that child go into the world before he's mature, you can't handle the estate. It's too much. You're going to squander it. It gets away from you. So this kid gets his inheritance, goes out, wastes it all, comes back thinking he'll just fall, you know, let me become as one of the servants in my father's house. What happens? He comes back home. His father has been waiting for him the whole time. And just like God, comes running when he sees that sun on the horizon. Running. Why? Because there's been a distance between them, and he wants to close that distance as soon as possible. When one of my kids is in trouble, I don't want there to be distance between us. I don't like big crowds. I like to keep my family close because I don't want something to happen to one of my kids. I don't want there to be distance between us. Uh, the father, then, is compared to God, who is a lavish. Reading the rest of the prodigal son, right? The other son. It's like, what in the world are you doing? This is foolish. This is prodigal. This is, this is a waste of time and resources. You gave him a ring, a robe, killed the fatted calf, the whole thing. What's the father say? My son was lost, and now he's home. And that's a picture of our father who wants to be in relationship with us, wants to have us close, does not want us to be a distance from him. Chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, it was the right time as your blank. Okay? It was the perfect time. There were roads built throughout the world, the civilized world at that time. There was one language that united a lot of those communities and a lot of those groups, ethnic cultures, they all knew, most of them knew one language. Uh, this spiritual hunger was everywhere so that even the pagans cried out against it. Okay? People were ready to receive some good news, and it was the right time. But let's not forget that the 483 years prophesied by Daniel were drawing to a close. It was the right time. We serve a God who is our Father who keeps his promises. How many prophecies did he give to the prophets that were fulfilled by Jesus coming in that way at that time? Our Father, our Heavenly Father, keeps his promises. You can trust him. And even the way that he's... I'm skipping over your thing here, Jim, but it's in the paper, so we haven't skipped it. <laughs> Born of a woman. He's clothed in humanity, right? We put on Christ in this same way he's talking about putting on man. He's fully God. He's the Son of God, but he's fully man. He's putting us on. And it also fulfills a prophecy about the virgin birth. He doesn't say he's born of a woman and a man. He's born of a woman. Fulfilling the prophecy. God keeps his promises. Born under the law. And this is huge. This is what I want to get to. I don't want to leave this out. Okay? The heir. Here's your blank. So we got clothed in humanity. We got that down? Born under the law. The heir is subject. The heir, capital H, Christ, is subject. And Luther just goes off on this, and it was awesome. And I was just sitting there and crying. And 
Although he is Lord of the law, so that the law has no authority over him, for he is the Son of God, he makes himself subject to the law. After the law executes upon him all the jurisdiction it has over us, it accuses and terrifies us. It makes us subject to sin, death, and the wrath of God and condemns us with its sentence. And it has a perfect right to do so, for we are all sinners. On the other hand, Christ committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Therefore, he was not subject to the law, yet he made himself subject to the law. Yet in the law was no less cruel against his innocent, righteous, and blessed lamb than it was against cursed and damned sinner. In fact, it was more rigorous with Christ. For it accused him as a blasphemer and a seditious person. It made him guilty before God and the sins of the whole world. The idea here is, now the law had condemned and killed everyone when it, had, when it was... Ah, let me go back. This is Christ talking here. This is Luther saying Christ talking. Therefore, I have vanquished the law by double right and authority, first as the Son of God and Lord of the law, and second in your person. It is, is as though you had overcome the law yourselves, for my victory is yours. The idea is the law falsely accused him. The law now stands in judgment. It had no right to kill Jesus. And Jesus was clothed in us. Our identity is in Jesus. Jesus has given us the victory over the law. We are free. That's huge. We redeemed us under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because blank, blank, our sons. You blank, blank, our sons. Not cussing here. Um, what I put in was all y'all. Okay? <laughs> or, because I was going for the equal standing before God. Talk about all. Okay? So all y'all, but I will accept on the test another answer, which was in Christ. So if you want to put that instead of all y'all, have fun with it. I will accept either answer on the test. Okay? But here, and here's the beautiful part here, and here's the part I couldn't get through. And Albert, I asked you to read from, and go ahead and look it up. I'll do some more stuff here, but uh, Romans 8, 26. He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. This is the spirit equal. He can be called the spirit of the son. He can be called the Holy Spirit in this case, he's talking about our identity in Christ. Okay, so he talks about the spirit of his son. Okay? It's the voice that God is listening for. Get that. Okay? This is the voice. He sends the spirit into our lives to cry out, Abba, Father. This is the voice that God's listening for. I'll give you an example. Remy is with us. We haven't adopted her as our child, but she's with us. She's mine. Okay? I put her down for a nap, and I hear some fussing going on across the street. Our neighbors, their daughter and, and her husband and children have moved in, and they have a baby, and so they have a baby monitor across the street, too. So I hear their kid fussing around. Do I go running across the street and take care of that kid? No, it's their kid. It's not my kid. I'm not listening for that kid. That kid's not with me. So I switch it over to the other channel, because there's two channels on our monitor, and then I can hear Remy. Okay. So when she cries out, I know her voice. I come running. God gives us the spirit in our lives to seal us as his and that voice cries out for us. Albert, do you have that verse? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm. Did you get the richness of that? So huge. God is listening for the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit is crying out, Abba! This is not complicated speech. Remy's not telling me, I need a diaper. I need food. I need a new sheet under me because I spit up. 
She doesn't have the words. It's not talking about articulate words. These are early. Okay, let me throw this down on you. Aramaic affectionate diminutive for daddy is the word Abba. It's the first sounds that we make. Abba, ba, 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 ba. That's where it's getting to. That's intimate. That's trusting. That's so dependent on God and calling on him and realizing that he's the one that can take care of it. We don't even have the words. We don't have the answers, but we don't even have the questions. And the spirit is there interceding for us with groans that we can't even understand. Because we're his. He's marked us. He's put the spirit in our lives to show that we are his. And that spirit testifies with our spirit that we are his. Your heart will fail you sometimes. Your feelings, your emotions will say, I don't know if I'm associated, but his spirit is in our lives, marking us, crying out for us, interceding for us. Abba, I need you. His spirit. We don't whisper it. It's crying out. We don't even know. We might be more developed and say, oh, I can get through this on my own. But his spirit is inside us groaning, Abba, this one needs you. And what does the father do? He comes running because he hears that voice and he says, my child needs help. And he comes running and he closes the distance between us. Who moved? We did. God was there the whole time, but we move away. And he comes running and he closes that distance. There was one time, don't judge me, hashtag don't judge me. Growing up, we burned our trash. We were living on this big farm. And every week it was my responsibility as dad was grooming me to be the heir of the mansion and whatever. Big mansion. Um, it was my job to take the trash out and burn it. And so one day I'm there and I'm taking the trash out and I'm burning it and I'm staying around the fire. Why? Because I'm a guy. And I love fire. <laughs> Makes me happy, happy, happy. So an aerosol can, something got in there, right? What do aerosol cans do when they hit flame? Boom. Boom. Dad's in the house. Immediately I hear this, and oh, okay, well, beyond peeing myself and dropping to the ground, right? <laughs> so, dad hears the boom, sees me drop to the ground, are you okay? And physically I was fine, but I was shook, and I'm like, no. What did dad do? He came running. He closed that distance because his son's in trouble. I was, I mean, I was physically fine. And by this point, dad had his knee surgery, and he had partial numbness in his foot, and he didn't run a lot. But in that instant, broke through all that and came running to his child. This is the relationship that we have in God. He sends us the Spirit into our lives to mark us, to seal us, to show that we are his, and that voice intercedes for us when we don't even know what to ask. It's beautiful. So what's the application here? Through faith, in Jesus Christ, we can become sons and heirs, not or, of God, the ultimate Father. And Darla, thank you for sending me this quote. When I attended Bible college, this is from Yancey, when I attended Bible college, I observed the people who have followed the rules and missed God, people who broke the rules and missed God. What burdens me, though, is that a group of people who still believe that they missed God because they broke the rules. They never heard the melody. The song of the gospel of grace. Through faith in Christ, the first blank, God is your daddy. This is what we have in Christ. 
question you need to ask yourself today is, who's my daddy? Without Christ, you've got yourself, the devil, and hell. But God wants to be your daddy. He wants to intercede. He wants to sing over us. Who's your daddy? Application number two, the Spirit intercedes for you. Crying out, Abba, Abba. Cry out. Below that, number two, cry out to the Father. Don't do it on your own. You're not going to make it. The law is abundantly clear on this. You're not going to make it on your own. This is a team sport. We do this together. Number three, your Father delights in you and sings over you. Just like that verse in Zephaniah. So the personalized under number three there, know that the Father desires a relationship with me. He's madly in love with you. He initiates it. He provides the way for it to happen. He does all the work. He just wants you. Number four, the, we are heirs. What are we inheriting? We're inheriting God. There's no greater treasure than to inherit God. And you know what? He's limitless. He's limitless. There's room. There's more than enough for any of us. So, if I share my inheritance, my earthly inheritance with somebody, it's going to diminish. But if I share my heavenly inheritance, it never gets smaller. It only gets bigger. So the application, share him. 